This past July, Tom Ziegler sent a message out charging us to claim our freedom from bad habits, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, poor diet and exercise, wrong priorities, and settling for second best. He claimed these are the things that we can control. And I agreed, but I also realized the tremendous challenge in changing these very things in our life. And that's what we address in today's episode. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person, then do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. Tom Ziegler inspires and charges us again with this freedom from some things in our life we actually have control over. And I'll list those, I'll repeat them in just a moment when I bring Tom on. But again, the focus of this episode is to compassionately talk through the real life challenges these changes actually take. Here are some show sponsors and then Tom and I will join you. Tom, on July 4th, you sent a note to Wade Maines that he then posted on Facebook and tagged you. And you said, Wade, uh, why don't you declare that today is your Independence Day? Go ahead and declare your freedom from, number one, bad habits, two, negative self-talk, three, limiting beliefs, four, poor diet and exercise, five, wrong priorities, and six, settling for second best. Then you went on to say, after all, everything I just listed is a choice you have the power to make. Go ahead and make today your day of freedom from everything that is holding you back. It's up to you. Choose to win Tom Ziegler. Of course, everybody likes seeing that. That's one of those that I looked at and I thought, rock on. I was, I was inspired. I was motivated. And then I sat there and I looked at the list and I thought, man, there it is. There's the, there's the gauntlet, you know, there's the gauntlet every day. There are things like right now, I'm hoping that the podcast goes well because the thunder's moving into the high mountains of Colorado. I cannot control that. I can't, I, I don't have just a sound enough proof room to stave off the lightning and thunder. Um, there are so many things that I don't have control over. You listed six that we do yet it requires control over ourselves. And there's, there's what I want to dig into. I mean, that first one, what's Tom Ziegler? One of the things he's famous for Tom, what's the fastest way to success? And your answer on stage years ago was what? To replace a bad habit with a good habit. So number one on your list of freedom from is one from bad habits. And 
I am grateful to be privileged to have awareness, to have exposure to people like you, to great messages, so that I am aware of the good habits that I want to do. So I wake up in the morning and I'm aware. What a gift. What a gracious gift from God that I have been exposed to enough that I'm aware of those. And yet, give me an hour or two, I don't know, on a given day, and if I stop and take account, have I also engaged in some bad habits? that just I reacted to probably, probably, probably on the way to work and somebody's driving slow, slower than I want down my mountain lane. And that first bad habit of a bad emotion, you know, comes up now again, I don't honk and scream and yell at them. I can control that. But how many bad habits? I mean, do you, so you Tom, I'm going to throw it at you. I mean, throughout a given day, how often, How often are you aware that, man, I I stepped into, I started to engage, or I did in a bad habit? I think here's the, like the real crux of the matter is we all tell ourselves what not to do. Yeah. I mean, don't do this. Don't do that. And, And our brain kind of fixates on whatever the subject of that thing is. Mm hmm. Like if you say, don't eat the cheesecake, our brain says, cheesecake? Where? Cheesecake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That cheesecake's probably not better, very good, but I better make sure for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's where that whole uh, concept of replace a bad habit with a good habit comes from is we need to, instead of focusing on what we don't want to do, we need to focus on what we do want to do. So that's where the focus of the good habit is. Now, you know, dad, and, and I had a, you probably remember this because I told you about it and I've said it a number of times. When the book Choose to Win came out, I went to Nashville and met with the publisher and had some meetings. And then I had dinner with this guy named uh, Dan Miller. I've heard, his, I've heard of that guy. And his his grandson was there named Caleb and and Caleb told me if it hadn't been for you, he wouldn't even be on this planet. So (laughs) I did have a place in his existence. I I played a role. So Caleb, uh, he asked a great question, you know, a young 20 something year old. uh, I want to learn question. He looked at me and he said, how do you know if you have a bad habit? Yeah. And this is a pretty interesting question because if if your goal is to get lung cancer, then I guess smoking smoking's a great habit. Yeah. Smoking's a great habit. And so this is kind of the first step in when you say get rid of bad habits, the the first thing you've got to do is to set some goals that create a desire, some want tos. And so uh, as you're as you're listening to this, I just want you to think about this. Look at the seven areas of life that we teach: the mental, the spiritual, the physical, the family, the financial, the personal, and the career. And just say, hey, what's my purpose in each one of those? In my mental life, what is my purpose? What's my goal? You know, what is my mission statement? My purpose statement for each one of those seven areas. And you kind of have to do that to then shine the light on the bad habit. So if you're, 
if your mental purpose statement is to have an abundance mindset of possibilities, of looking at everything as an opportunity rather than a problem, looking at things as uh, I don't have to do this, I get to do this. When you, when you start to like take ownership of your mindset, then you can ask yourself, okay, so what are some habits that would prevent me from fulfilling that purpose? So a bad habit for me, Kevin, that I get trapped in is wandering around social media, hmm. wandering around AM radio. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Specifically talk radio. Not that there aren't some places I want to go and some things I want to contribute and some people I want to listen to, but aimlessly wandering and letting that stuff get into my brain. That is preventing me from achieving my purpose in my mental spoke of the wheel. Well, so that's where I get in trouble. And you could go right around the the, uh, the wheel on that, you know, the next, well, we got physical. So what's a bad habit? Um, so Kevin, uh, my wife buys these M&M candies now, you know, the little old, the original M&Ms. And I know that secretly she's buying them for me because <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, they're in the refrigerator. I'm, she's going to have to do a better job of ha hiding them because that's a bad habit. It uh -huh. goes against my purpose and my physical spoke of the wheel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that Tom, that bad habits. I think when the term itself probably invokes a little guilt in all of us and we look at those habits and I appreciate you saying that it gives me power you said responsibility, taking responsibility gives me power for me to even look at that and say, hey, who is to say what habit is good or bad for me? Because like you said, if I really have a goal of getting lung cancer, smoking is a great habit. Uh, I don't think anybody listening to this has that, but it does put it in a frame that I appreciate. We could look at going home after your day of work, binge watching Netflix sitcoms or, or something for four hours. Well, it depends on your goal, like you said, as to whether that's a bad habit or not. Maybe that's a great habit, depending on what your goal is. I, it takes away the judgment of it, and it gives me, again, it gives me the power to claim that, to be responsible for it, but it does require awareness. So, yeah, going through the Ziegler Wheel of Life, which I go through in essence, twice a month with a guest usually in our habits show. But if, folks, if you type in the Ziegler wheel of life, you'll find a zillion graphics on Google, uh, hit the images button and you'll find that. And to walk through there and say, what are my goals there? And then you can discern for yourself what are good and bad habits. And that to me, that's it, Tom. It's my personal awareness of what are the habits that do not give me life. And, and for me, they're the less tangible habits. I'm not smoking. I'm not having, uh, I'm not having an affair. I am not beating my kids up. I am not doing these things that are, are easy to point out. Mine are generally mental. Honestly, what they are is number two that Tom Ziegler wrote out negative self-talk. 
That is probably the number one bad habit that I can easily fall into. I would say I am more aware of it than ever. I am better, but it is amazing how, and it's not thought out things like Kevin is bad or wrong. It's not that acute maybe. It's more the responses to something that I may do that's kind of a, that was stupid kind of thing. And I'm not thinking Kevin is, but I'm just saying I was stupid and I'm being harsh on myself. I'm being judgmental. I am treating myself in a way I would never treat, or I don't even think, think of towards another human being, but I will. That's probably one of the biggest ones, but I, and I'm, what bothers me most about it is when I'm allowing those negative thoughts, judgments, criticisms, emotions towards myself happen. It is so much more easier for me to allow those to fall over to another person like the slow driver in the left lane or anybody who's deterring me from my objective. That's an issue that I know that I have in my life. I, I don't want to feel that way towards another person. I've got to start with myself. That's the one that I fall into probably quickest. Yeah. And it's a, you know, you know, even people who have pretty good self-talk, uh, just work with them enough to ask them to do something that makes them stretch to get outside of what they feel their uh, skill set is or what their comfort zone to use a word I don't like to use. I like uh, what one of our, one of our Ziegler speakers, Carrie Lowe says the comfort zone is imaginary. We've created it. There's no such thing. You know, we've, We've got the death zone and the growth zone, right? We're either growing or we're dying. We have a familiarity zone, but it may not be. Yeah. Effort. yeah. Uh, the the risk-free zone. The only problem is, is there is no such thing as risk-free. Because yeah. if we if we don't exercise the muscles, we lose them. Yeah. Um, Perceived risk-free. And so it's really the, the self-talk thing is about whenever you get in a situation where you feel stressed or you feel worry or anxiety or your defenses come up, ask yourself how you can retrain your initial thought around that to put it into a positive um, approach. And, I, and I've, I've shared this with uh, on here before, and that is from time to time, I get attacked um, publicly whether it's on social media or I could be presenting something and somebody says, Oh, you're, you're completely wrong. And I wish they used those words, but they don't all the time. Yeah. And so I asked my, so, you know, what happens when that happens? You get defensive. Your immediate thought is, well, I'm getting them back or, you know, it's very, uh, your cortisol, you know, boop, you know, you get the spike, you get the, the fight or flight. Uh, but I've retrained my brain to, to, to my mind when that type of approach starts to come. And I'm only talking about very inappropriate challenges, like a personal attack. I ask myself, would a secure person do that? Yeah. And the answer is no. Well, that changes my whole way of responding to them. So negative self-talk. Uh, <laughs> You're in a group of people, and it could be a church group, a business group, a friend group, or whatever. And they're like, hey, what do y'all think about this project? 
And they're like, in your, in your heart, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to go have to talk to people I don't know. And I don't like doing that. I'm not good at that, blah, 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 blah. You need to intercept that thought with, wow, what could I learn? What could I do? What's the opportunity here? Will this take me closer to my ultimate goal or dream? And you just have to like short circuit it with, instead of a negative response, a neutral or positive response. Um, you know, you, you see it with kids sometimes. The The parents will say, can, uh, hey guys, we need to clean up the room. We need to take care of the yard. We need to do this so we can do that. And then it's the, the wine and the, do we have to? And, you know, I'm right in the middle of my game and blah, 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 blah. And dad kind of helped us growing up, program our minds to those kind of things. We weren't perfect, but it was, it was like, hey, we get to do this because when we're done with this, we get to do that, right? And so it was just that, and, and the work's going to get done anyway, but it's a lot more fun when you get to do something than when you have to do something. Yeah. And you, and you get to choose your attitude in the process. So it's really a good thing to journal or track or whatever your, your negative self-talk and then ask yourself the question, what, does that response get me closer to or further from my ultimate objective? And the answer is it's taking you further away. Yeah. It's going to slow down your uh, whatever you should be doing. Uh, it's it's going to put a lid on what you could be doing. And if it becomes like the status quo, people who are very, very fixed mindset in their makeup, as soon as something becomes difficult or hard, they quit. They move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how when people are really struggling in something, when they get that first kind of baseline of competency, of how, how much the satisfaction and the personal growth happens from mastering that that first difficult step, and then it opens up all kinds of possibilities, right? And if and if you quit before you master that first beginning step, you never get that joy. It, ta- it becomes a pattern. You never get to experience that. Your life becomes more and more limited yeah. because your self talk was like, "Well, I'm not an athlete. I could never do that." Well, let me tell you something. There's nothing athletic about putt putt. <laughs> I mean, there's just not, but I know a lot of people who don't go putt putt because they think they're not, they're not athletic. They couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something, 20 minutes of just getting the feel for a putter and you'll have a lot of fun. You are listening to the Ziegler show in this episode with Tom Ziegler discussing six areas of life we can claim freedom in. Next, I expound on Tom's reference of journaling uh, and really just taking captive our often overly high expectations that we have for ourselves and the lack of grace we have. And the point is never, never to lower expectations, but to have that grace. So here are some show sponsors and then we'll continue. You, you mentioned journaling, Tom. I taking it captive. I mean, we're talking about negative self-talk. I believe in us taking it captive and we've got to back to your replace the, replace the negative self-talk with positive self-talk. You mentioned journaling. I literally will address that often in the mornings. Kevin, just chill out. 
have grace with yourself. You're going to make mistakes today. It's okay. You're hu- As my wife would say, you are human. Allow yourself. The expectations we often have for ourselves are so unrealistic compared to the grace we would give someone else. And so often to find the judgmental, harsh tone, emotive tone in my head towards myself, I would never express that towards my kid and really not even feel that towards my kid. I go, come on. I find myself defending them to themselves when they unfortunately probably emulate me and mirror me some, which is very convicting. And it's like, gosh, you're, it's okay. It was just a mistake that I need to put that on myself. We're talking about self-talk folks. If you go to Ziggler.com forward slash self-talk, I think all you gotta do is put your email address in and you can get Zig Ziggler's infamous self-talk cards. I have them printed out in my backpack to pull out. And the power of speaking these things to yourself, and you can make up your own. You can make up your own that are grace-filled as well, uh, the things that you're going to label yourself as. But uh, it's so powerful. But I think, I, I really feel like that, Tom. I have to fill in. I have to uh, input in positive self-talk that overrides or takes the place of that negative self-talk. As we know, the majority of our thoughts in our head naturally are negative, and we've got to work to turn that around. Negative self-talk. How can we be more free of that? What are some of the primary things we negatively self-talk about to ourselves? Number three on your list there, limiting beliefs. So this one, Tom, that term limiting beliefs, I didn't do it, but I imagine if you search for it, you'll find so much content around limiting beliefs because anyone in the self-help, personal development, health and wellness arena, we just know how powerful the limiting beliefs that we have are and how errant they are. Again, going back to a kid and how often are you going to tell a kid, oh my gosh, you have so much potential. You have no idea what you're capable of. And yet we get to about mid twenties when our prefrontal cortex solidifies and we kind of think this is who we are and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to expand our capacity uh, as much as what is possible. And we agree with what our capabilities are. And we place limiting beliefs upon that. And Tom, I've done that for so many years. Granted, there are some things that we may not care to expand our capabilities of. I do not enjoy math. Therefore, I don't practice math. Therefore, I'm not real good at it. And I don't care. Okay, well, that's different. That's, that's one that I'm, that's a limiting belief I'm okay with because I'm grateful that I can, uh, I'm successful enough in my work. I can afford a CPA and a bookkeeper, multiples. And they can take care of it for me. So I'm fulfilling that responsibility. I'm good there. But over here, limiting beliefs. How about in my relationships? How about with conflict and hard conversations about some aspects of parenting? That's a struggle. Limiting beliefs of what I'm capable with uh, financially or with business success or work success. Uh, Some are going to have limiting beliefs of what they're capable of physically and mentally Health-wise, those are ones where I'm probably, uh, I'm good on those. Those are probably some high points for me. But where do we have limiting beliefs? And here's the thing, Tom, because it's one of those things we give a lot of voice to, right? Limiting beliefs. Hey, folks, you got limiting beliefs. You got to kill those things. And yet I feel like the hard thing is that generally with limiting beliefs, we always have some thread of proof. 
Somebody has said something to us. Somebody who knows us has testified to a limiting belief and, or we have also seen ourselves perform to a certain level or under a certain level. And to us, that's proof. And so for somebody to come along and go, Hey, come on, man, get rid of your limiting beliefs. We're looking at it and go, okay, it sounds good, but I've got proof, Tom. I've got proof of what I have been capable of. And time and time again, I've tried and I've failed. That's to me where the rubber hits the road, Tom. What do you think? A lot of times our limiting belief is associated with some sort of trauma that we've had, right? Which is a failure, a a failure. Yeah. 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 A failure. Uh, You screwed up or you you were made fun of. You could have even done it just fine, but the popular kid or the bully laughed. And so you felt humiliated. Whether you were humiliated or not is irrelevant. You felt that way. And so you're like, I'm never doing that again. Um, and, and then that's a limiting belief. You know, I was personally convicted on this just last week. I, I shared a new quote last episode uh, that I heard from Jordan Peterson. It was my next uh, Ziegler email that I sent out. And the quote is, uh, the difficulty of the task is irrelevant compared to the consequence of not mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I took that quote and I went to each of the seven areas of life, mental, physical, spiritual, and I found a, a, a thread. And the thread is, is that as an S personality, as someone who doesn't like conflict, as someone who doesn't like uh, stress or strife in relationships, boy, I'm really good at letting things that should be addressed just slide. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And and the challenge with that is, is that if you let things slide, do they go away or do they grow? They grow. And so a limiting belief that I have is, uh, hey, I'm not very good at conflict. So since I'm not very good at it, I'm probably going to screw it up. And since I'm going to screw it up, uh, better to let the wound go unclean than to potentially clean it and have my arm fall off. <laughs> True. Right? Yeah. Instead of, hey, why is this important to me? Oh, well, why not just be honest and truthful and try to figure out, you know, what part did I play in this misunderstanding? Because if you dig into it and you fix it, uh, it's going to avoid all kinds of heartache down the road. Yeah. So my limiting belief has been, hey, you're not very good at conflict. Therefore, uh, do everything you can to avoid it and run when it comes. And then that reminds me of the uh, cow versus the uh, bison or buffalo. When the storm comes over the mountain, the cows run away from it. And because they run away from it, they're actually in the storm longer. Uh, Whereas the buffalo or the bison, when the storm comes over the mountain peak, they face into it and walk towards it, which means they get through it faster. (laughs) Interesting. And, you know, so maybe your, maybe your affirmation, your positive self-talk is, I, I love learning. I love growing. And this relationship is too important to take a risk. 
It's too important to let it go. And it's okay if it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. What's important is that I come into it with the right motive. Yeah. And on that, Tom, as you're talking, I keep thinking of hope, having, having hope. We all have heard and we give head nods to Thomas Edison, who made a thousand unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. Why don't, though, did he have the hope that it was possible? I mean, so when he made the first attempt, he thought, I still think it's possible. He made the second attempt and it's an exaggerated example. And what if it's incorrectly quoted? Maybe he only had 500 unsuccessful attempts. Still quite a lot, still quite a lot more than the average person who's going to make two attempts and go, well, twice I failed or once I failed and it hurt and I'm not going to try. Do we have hope and belief in our capacity? That's what comes to me, Tom. And I'm great. I'm grateful for sports that I was involved in at an early age and for so much of my life that proved that your capacity is, is more, Mike, I proved to me, my capacity is more than I thought that it was. Having parents who gave me overwhelming tasks as a kid that I did not appreciate at the time, I did not appreciate them at the time for, but I look back now, man, I'm so grateful that it showed me that I'm capable of so much more. I'm grateful that I've been able to do that and being able to do that you know, with my kids, but do we have hope or we have, we submitted and said, that's all I am capable of. And this of course goes to the great Zig Ziglar saying failure is an event, not a person. So to look at it and say, I didn't fail. I did fail at that attempt. And I have to remind myself of that I failed at that attempt. It still hurts. It's still frustrating. It's still disheartening, but I have grown faith and hope that there's still another opportunity and I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to just put that out there. That's not easy. It come, becomes more easier over time. But at this point in my life, there are so many things that I have tried. And when I try something now and it doesn't work out perfectly, <clears throat> you know what, Tom, here, here, I'll, I'll own one. So I submitted the draft, submitted my book, right? The editor's going through it right now. We just had a meeting with my editor and my literary agent this morning. And after two chapters, I mean, they were, you know, very encouraging, but they said, we're, we're, it's not, there's some things out here that aren't, the, the, the dots aren't connecting right. And so we talked through that. I'm going to redo it. And the scope of things, my wife's like, well, goodness, I would be, she said, I would have been surprised if you just submitted your very first book ever and just knocked it out of the park. It didn't need any edits. I mean, that's her, that's her perspective. Mine though, for me, for Kevin, for Superman, it's that I would submit it and they would just, their jaws would drop to the floor and they go, this is going to be the bestseller of all time right out of the gate. Why do I have an expectation? I don't know. And so I was disappointed. Wasn't disappointing to my wife. She said, my gosh, I would be surprised if you don't have 10 different, you know, revisions like that. <clears throat> but I get it. It still bothers me some, but I have to take into context reality and that I am human and go do the work and have hope. Your fourth one, Tom, poor diet and exercise. Speaking of my wife, I want to say that I think one of the smartest things that she said one time was somewhat to what you're talking about here with replacing a, a bad habit with a good habit. Just look at the good habits you want to put in there. She said that in regards to diet that so many people, this comes back to right where you started, Tom, we think restrictively, don't do that. 
right? This is what I shouldn't do. I shouldn't eat that cheesecake. And she says, instead of starting there with what I can't eat, just look at new things you want to put in. So today, for everybody out there who wishes you would change your diet, wishes you wouldn't eat the M&Ms that your wife has in the refrigerator, and you want to increase your nutrition and the good food you're eating, just go buy and make sure that you're going to have, I don't know, two cups of vegetables, of good vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, whatever. You're going to add two cups. You may eat exactly what you did yesterday that has some bad stuff on the list, but you're going to add in two things of two cups of vegetables and half a liter of water. That's it. So you're going to make sure at least that you get that in there. I've done this with my kids, like during the holidays when there's extra sugar and you know, foods that we don't normally eat. It's said, just make sure you get your water. And I want to make sure today that you've gotten some good vegetables uh, in you. I just did that for lunch. I had probably close to two cups of broccoli, cauliflower, and carrots. I cooked them last night. They had some salt. I actually put some barbecue sauce, some low sugar barbecue sauce on them just because I was in the mood. And I had an avocado. That was my lunch. Now I will have a little more celebratory food this evening. I'll enjoy my food. But I had that and it was enough and I had a bunch of water for that. I'm just kind of stuffed. So I'm not hankering for something that like the M&Ms that are not in my refrigerator, thank goodness. But just to add those things in. Now exercise is not the same if you're sedentary and you need exercise, you it's you just got to add that in, you know, period. But uh that's a big one that you talk about guilt that's really high on people's guilt list right there, diet, uh, there, Tom, diet and exercise. Yeah. And, and not doing it is such a bad habit, you know, not eating right, not exercising, not moving. Uh, I should have thrown in their sleep, <laughs> the big three. Yeah. Um, you know, I just learned recently that people who are anxious, worried, depressed, you know, they've got all those kind of chronic ongoing uh, things. They can't concentrate. They can't uh, focus. They get out of sorts. They kind of do the spiral. Um, they're depressed, maybe even diagnosed depressed. A lot of them, if you just uh, say, hey, you know what? You need to get up at the same time every day, regardless of when you go to bed. And then as soon as you get up, you've got to have a high fat, high protein breakfast. Those two things, a regular sleep cycle and getting protein and fat into your system so you don't have a spike and a crash <laughs> in your blood sugar, a lot of people feel immediate mood uh, positive impact right away, mm -hmm. right? Enough to where they can, they can get ahead of the day instead of reacting to it, and they can build from there. And that's what happens when we constantly make poor choices when we're dependent on, you know, simple carbs to give us fuel, yeah, uh, it just cycles down. It's alcohol is the same way. I mean, it, it's especially if you have like a predisposition to, to, to liking it or getting addicted to it. it we, we start to use it as a medication, then it feeds on itself. So a lot of bad habits kind of feed on themselves yeah. and they grow and grow and grow. Uh, this is maybe this is a question for Dr. James. Uh, has anybody ever tried a diet where they said, you know what, I'm going to eat and I'm, this is a ridiculous amount, but let's just make it. So if somebody ate five pounds of raw vegetables 
and then during the day, and then after they finished that, they could eat anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. Would that person ever gain weight? It's, you know, a calorie is not a calorie. I do know that, you know, if you have uh, 300 calories of raw broccoli and 300 calories of Ben and Jerry's, it's not tit for tat on, on the calories uh, for sure. That'd be interesting. We should, we should ask him that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be the guinea pig because I was just thinking you talked about, you know, have some vegetables, have some water. It's kind of like how I wrote the book. You know, I just said, I'm not going to eat until I get a thousand words in for the day. And yeah. boy, that book, that book got done. Yeah. So what if I said, you know what? I'm not going to have anything that's quote unquote in the unhealthy category from a food perspective until I get all my healthy food out of the way. Uh-huh. Because I, I think eating five pounds of vegetables, you'd probably never make it to the unhealthy food. <laughs> yeah, yeah if I, I don't know if I could stomach it. Some people aren't going to be able to digest that. Uh, Tom, it's it, you know you're talking about triggers a, as well. So I'll uh, what I have been doing lately is I get up in the morning, I don't eat uh, at all. I have my coffee, and I enjoy enjoying my coffee. And then for me, I'm not going to eat till lunch and I, and I have to exercise before that. That's my trigger, you know? So I do that. I, matter of fact, I'm still in my workout clothes here. So I go out and mine's dictated somewhat by living at 9,000 feet up in the Rockies. So I'm kind of waiting for it to warm up. So about 10 o'clock, uh, I'm going to head out and get my run done, my run or my ride done before lunchtime, which here, if I'm at the office, I'm going to have it with Dr. Randy James and we go sit on the deck. So that's kind of my deadline that I adhere to that helps motivate me. So I appreciate that. And then I generally will eat a kind of keto. Now, technically, as people are hearing this, there's so much talk about this. I mean, vegetables is a, is a form of carbohydrate. So I'm having that, but I'll say a no grain uh, meal. So I'm going to have usually vegetables and well, today I just had vegetables and avocado because I brought so many vegetables. I thought if I add anything more to that, it's just I'm going to be packed. Uh, but sometimes I'll put for me uh, a meat in the form of fish. So I'll do sardines or trout or mackerel or uh, tuna or something like that. And I'll add that to it. So I do a pretty people are going to hear that and go, man, that's boring. I, I do a fairly boring in American standards lunch. And then, though, Tom, then I let myself snack. I always have chocolate almonds here. I actually had some chocolate peanut butter caramel little things, and I ate a couple of those, but I, I did eat so much. I'm, I, of vegetables, I'm packed. But I did that, so I'll nibble on nuts and chocolate almonds and whatnot. I may have a little more coffee. Then I go home, and this is what I've been doing right now. I'll go home, have a good meal, and we're going to have a whole foods, you know, stir fry or fish and rice and veggies or whatever. But then I'm going to enjoy some kind of a dessert type item, which I don't normally do. A, a lot of times, and I'll admit, I'll have, a, I, I really enjoy a glass of wine. I'm not doing that. I'm taking a fast off that. So I'm coming close to four weeks of no, no wine, no alcohol of any, of any type. And so my sweet tooth's a little higher and I'll have some sweets. So that's what I'm doing. And I've been exercising a lot. I'm down. I haven't been this low weight in so long. And I feel like I'm imbibing. Like I'm enjoying that just what you said, those foods, but it's after I've done all those other triggers. It's a reward. And I appreciate somebody said this in regards to intermittent fasting, instead of depriving, it's just delaying. 
I'm going to have some good food. It's just going to be later. It's going to be this afternoon or, or tonight. So lots there. And I, I will pull out. You talked about Dr. Randy James, uh, folks, if you haven't tuned into the True Life podcast, that is my podcast with him talking really the psychology, just like we do here, the psychology of success. We're really talking about that, the psychology of health and wellness. But man, poor diet and exercise is at the root of so many of our lacks in other areas, Tom. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, this is intriguing to me because uh, I've read some new studies on intermittent fasting and yeah. it works better for some people than yeah, others. Exactly. And not every, and there, it's kind of like mixed results on whether it really works or not. Uh, but I do know the idea of a window Mm-hmm. especially when you close the window um, at least three hours before you go to bed has a huge impact on your digestion, your recovery, how well you sleep, sleep. quality. Yeah. 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 So I'm just yeah. kind of wondering, you know, just like I said, well, I'm not going to eat until I write a thousand words. I'm thinking about um, I'm not going to have a treat until the exercise and the right kind of food is put in my body. And I'm thinking, by the time I do the right kind of food and the exercise, the desire level for the treat is going to be really manageable. And if I have it, it's not a big deal. Yep. It's hmm. figuring out the secret sauce and the triggers that work for us. And yeah, as you said, there's so many, you know, it's so many different people out there who found what worked for them and they're out there espousing and saying, Hey, everybody should do that. You got to find what works for you. The intermittent fasting works really well for me. It supports my other goals. So I get to go exercise without food in my stomach and whatnot. But man, I've seen other people who tank on that. So find what works for you. Absolutely. Well, fifth thing you had here, Tom, on the list is wrong priorities. That one is so difficult. I'll say as a husband and a father and a business owner, there are so many things that seem like priorities that I find myself so often looking at that next opportunity, that next kid event, that next thing and going, man, that is good. That would be good. Is it going to get in the way of what would be great? And it requires You know, I'll be brief on this one. Making sure that I am addressing the best priorities requires me to make a lot of hard decisions. Uh, And it's that. It's the good thing versus the great thing. And having to have uh, boundaries, as we just had a show uh, with Nedra Glover Tawab come out. I think it'll have, I think it was show 905 maybe uh, on boundaries. That's difficult. I don't like the term even. But I've learned that without those, I, I get to burnout and bitterness. Um, so that's wrong priorities is a lot, of, a lot of awareness and difficult decisions for me. Big time. And the interesting thing about this one is um, they have a tenant busy and non-directed uh, activities fill every gap in your schedule. So this is really an intentionality uh, perspective. What is my highest calling, my biggest purpose? What are the PPAs, the purpose-producing activities that can get me there? What are the biggest threats to me doing those purpose-producing activities? And usually it is not scheduling into the calendar what it is I really want to get accomplished. If we schedule all that, if we take our priorities 
and we put them into the calendar first. And then the things we have to do second, as far as livelihood or whatever, and then everything else comes third, we're usually okay. Right. But what do we do? We put in everything for our livelihood first, and then the rest of it's just free time. Well, the free time just becomes uh, wasted time yeah. in too many cases. And when we're not moving towards that, that purpose. And this goes back to uh, Rabbi Lappin's quote, which is um, the, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. purpose. And when we're on the road to purpose, happiness is the byproduct. So for everybody who's out there going, oh man, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, let me ask you this. Do you want to be happy? Well, I think all of us want to be happy. I mean, do you like, you know, there's a few people who I, you know, I don't swear, but I would testify. They don't want to be happy. I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, they just like to be in, in the grouch mode all the time. But the reality is, is when we put our, our purpose things on the calendar first, those priorities first, and then our, then our livelihood priority second, you know, to, to, you know, whatever we've got to do to, to economically uh, create our place in this world, solving problems. And then, and then uh, the free time, the, the, the time that's not scheduled is there. We get so much more done and, and life is filled with purpose and, and as a result, happiness because of that. Yep. Well, that one, it, it leads perfectly into your last one here, settling for second best. To me, that goes back to where we started on understanding, like looking at the Ziggler Wheel of Life, deciding what we really want and helps us set our priorities and know even what is second best. The one that gets me on this, Tom, is, well, here, here's a couple couple sources. Neil Maxwell is famous for saying, never give up what you want most for what you want today. And I think about what I want right now. My appetite wants that quick hit of sugar, that dopamine hit. I want that right now, like you with the M&Ms in the refrigerator. But long term, what do you want in the future? You want to be fit and well and coherent, things that those M&Ms may not lead to. Uh, there's also a guy, um, his name is, uh, it's Carr. What is his first name? Uh, Nicholas Carr. And he has, I don't know if, it, I think it's a documentary called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. That has become more and more predominant in my thought of our propensities for the quick hit, the quick feeding of the shallow appetite. I can do that. Even this is what stuck out to me, Tom, realizing this, even in my home, we've had to address it, that here we are. It used to be, I mean, imagine, you know, it's, it's uh, movie night right? We're going to watch something, which in our house, we don't have, we've never had regular TV and whatnot, which is a stupid thing to say now, because if you got the internet, you got everything or access to it at least. But uh, for us, watching something was kind of a big thing. These days, and we, we noticed it as a family and talked about it and addressed it, but it is so to sit down, turn a movie on, follow the plot for movies these days are two hours, right? And to pay attention to some of the things that may be a little not thrilling in the moment, but to tell the story. Well, the kids can also sit there with a phone in their hand, a smartphone, scrolling social media and getting what I'm going to say, that quick hit this is Simon Sinek, you know, has these incredible videos out there on millennials and the dopamine hit that they get from looking at the next thing. Now, my kids don't participate in social media themselves, 
uh, as far as, you know, getting likes and posting their own th- stuff, but they do look at things, interesting things, funny things, whatnot. And they'll come up, daddy, look at this. And it's interesting. And it's just the next new thing. There's never a need for boredom ever. There's always something new, always something in, uh, interesting. That's what Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those companies their primary goal is to get your attention. So they're masters at it and they can keep our attention. You talked about it, your own tendency to wander in social media. There's always something interesting. And I know that as well. And it's a shallow interest, but it's right there and it's new and we can feed it and feed it and feed it. And we're settling often for second best as opposed to, now I'm going to put that away. I'm going to do my work. Even that, I'm going to do my work. And at the end of the day, when I enjoy my little treat, I'm going to watch something that's really moving. It's really significant, really enjoyable, really entertaining. But I got to set aside that second best, that shallow appetite. I think we're at a time right now, Tom, where that is never been more enticing as it is today. We're, we all want, um, you know, our, our brain is, is such an interesting thing and, and, one of the things that I love about studying the way our brain works is it informs you on how to tell your mind what to do, right? It, you've, and so everybody listening, you've got the brain, which is the physical mechanism, and its its goal in life is to preserve the brain. I mean, <laughs> it wants to guarantee that your body gets a certain amount of calories with a certain with the least amount of action right Mm -hmm. it's it's about just providing that and it's and because it uh doesn't count on a state of abundance all the time it will it will it will encourage you to do things that hurt your health your mind tells your brain what to do and we talked about it earlier when you said hey that's a trigger if we can set up our mind if we can start training our mind to hey this is a really positive do it you know, trigger it, do it, reward it, then we are now in control of it. Well, guess what? The social media, internet companies, they all know exactly how your brain works too. Yeah. And they want to trap you into it. And so if you know that going into it, then you're better able to, to, to watch the clock. I know a lot of people have timers. Uh, there's actually apps that will that you can set up and will block you out of certain things during certain times. Mm -hmm. Or when you go in and the timer will go off after you've been there for five minutes, these are all great uh, reminders. And it's funny how good habits are. They have one thing in common. Usually Uh, let's just say working out. If you don't like to work out, that's, that's fine. A lot of people don't like to work out, but what's interesting is you, you, you dread the workout, until about seven minutes into it. And then you're like, wow, I'm seven minutes into it. I've only got, you know, 23 minutes left. And then you get on that roll and it starts to feel good. And, mm-hmm. and we need to remember that. We need to say, okay, uh, my brain is wired in such a way. I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to get going in things and let that flow. Let that go from there. Yep. Yeah. The uh, I, one word on that, just since we're hitting it and we've hit on health and wellness a couple of times is on the exercise thing. That's something that we joke about on the true life show a lot. When Dr. Randy James is asked, what's the best exercise? His answer is whatever one you'll do and go find something that you can play with. It's, it's funny. You know, if I tell my kids, if I tell, I have, I have a little boy, he's 10. 
If I say, man, let's go run. Like, oh, dad, seriously? And yet if I say, let's go play soccer, he'll run five miles playing, playing soccer. That's a really good thing. I find that some of the best, the people who are the most consistent and successful in their exercise found something that is fun for them, that is enjoyable, that is play. Go play tennis or racquetball or join a running club or a cycling club or a swimming group or my wife it's zumba i think she goes mainly just for social reasons and so she loves socializing and laughing during class after class they'll go get coffee and whatever i don't know that she even thinks about it as exercise brilliant I don't either at this point. I mean, I go out and ride and run. And for me, it's time to think, time to push myself, time to explore, just time to just get out on my own. That's more predominant than the exercise. So just want to throw that out. But Tom, that list from, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, when we talk about settling for second best, um, you know, I have a battle in my mind because I, I love Seth Godin. And he's always about... Uh, good enough, you know, ship it. If it's good enough, it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. And so we've got this, we've got this, um, we've got the perfectionist personality. Who's like always trying to up it and never gets anything done. And then we've got the, the personality that's like, Oh, that's good enough, but it's not quite good enough. Right. And so I try to find the balance. So here's a mental hack for everybody uh, on this is what I call the opposite of, of settling for second best. Do whatever you normally do that, towards whatever your goals are. So just think of your career. Uh, maybe it's a phone call. Um, whatever, maybe you're installing something. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you're doing something online. It doesn't matter. And when you're done, before you hit send or before you close that out of your mind, just, just ask you this, this one question could I add a little bit extra? I think in Louisiana, they, what do they call it? Land yap. It's like that, that unexpected extra. Hmm. What if for a whole day, no matter what you did, you did a little bit extra. Um, so normally you have a phone call with a customer or a prospect and you hang up and you're done. So what could a little bit extra be? It could be an instant email or text back to them saying, Hey, I just wanted you to know I really appreciated our our time and what you said. I'm going to look into and I'll get back to you. Right? Mm-hmm. That's just a little bit extra. It's not a big deal. It's just a little bit extra. You're making uh, lunch for the kids, and a little bit extra is taking 30 seconds to write them a note. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just a little bit extra, and so our our mindset is um, we just settle for second best. Um, the, the food comes out and it's cold. Yeah. We just deal with it, right? And, and if you get into that settling mindset, then your life is almost always never what it could be. And so instead of worrying about what other people are doing to you to give you second best, what if you change your focus on how can I deliver a little bit extra to every everything, mm-hmm. right? You know, whether it's sending the publishing document to the uh, publisher or whatever. So in, in my book, Kevin, uh, some of the extra things that I've done is I'm like sending articles 
in on a regular basis that support the book, right? The book is the answer to this article. And they then pass that on to the whole marketing team. They didn't ask for any of that. They just wanted the manuscript. So that's like just a little bit extra. And does, does it, is my motive in there? Um, does it help me? Absolutely. It helps me. But at the same time, we're in this project together. They win more than I do. <laughs> you know, the publisher, when we sell a lot of books, the publisher wins Yeah, big time when yeah. we sell a lot of books, but I win too. And so what's the little bit of extra and everything that we can do. And I think when you have that mindset of I'm going to give everybody else first best, well, then it's easier to give yourself first best too. Yep. Because what happens is we justify, well, I get second best. So why should I go out for them? Right. Well, when we give first best to everybody that, you know, in reason, then, Hey, I expect it too. Yeah. I've got uh, a friend who's, who's this way. And you know what? It doesn't matter how crowded the restaurant is or how long the line is. This guy walks up. He doesn't know anybody. They don't know him. He just expects to get a table pretty quick. And he does. I don't know how he does it. I mean, he's not, he's not passing cash behind the counter. It's just, he's got this expectancy. I'm going to treat people with a little bit extra wherever I go. And it's amazing how they respond to that. Yeah. My wife is like that. Any restaurant, any hotel, whatever, she's going to get an upgrade somehow. Uh, (laughs) I think we've gotten into a culture, Tom, of just doing, you know, good enough. You mentioned Seth Godin. I've talked about his, I need to reread. It's been so long, but I have so often referenced his book, Lynchpin, and it's about being indispensable in your job specifically, but you know, in anything you do. And a lot of it is just doing a little something extra. It's so easy to stand out these days and so rare as well. Well, Tom, man, I appreciate you putting this list out. When I saw that, I thought that's worthy of an entire show to walk through the realities of walking out those six areas that we can we do, as you said, we have control over those. We can claim some freedom. I hope people hear some compassion in this and also some equipping. Thanks, brother. Here, one more time, is this list of six things Tom Ziegler says we can pursue freedom in as they are areas of our lives we have control over. Bad habits, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, poor diet and exercise, wrong priorities, and settling for second best. I hope this episode provided some comfort and equipping. Coming up in episode 909, I take a different tact on habits. Dan Miller is 74 years old, 74 years of being an entrepreneur, and the recent decades as a best-selling author and coach and speaker. He's a guy who's lived his life in the personal development industry. I asked, I asked him to walk through the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and not just share what he's doing today, but how his habits have changed and evolved. What were they at 35, 55, and now what are they as he nears 75? I mean, we all look toward good habits and often think think what we're doing today is best for us. And maybe it is, but we do we may remain there is the question. And this is it's going to be an interesting show. And of course, I have a little more insight into uh, what I can dig into with him because Dan Miller is my father. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.